Hello, dear friends. Welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor K. And today I am here with the man himself. When you think of a Muna, <laughs> this is the man, this is the, the wise, wise rabbi that comes to my mind. It is the one and only Rabbi Laser Brody. Rabbi Laser Brody is a decorated combat veteran. He's a rabbi. He's a personal family counselor and an author. His lectures are listened to tens of thousands of times from around the world. He flies around public speaking on topics of Amuna and others, and he's all about joy, happiness, serving and living life with joy and with, and with freedom, freedom from anxiety, freedom from depression, and with an, a positive, optimistic outlook. Um, I love what Rabbi Brody is all about. Um, I've read his work. And uh, I'm really, really excited to share with you our conversation in the following podcast. So I do hope that you too take away some points of inspiration of how you can live with more Muna and you can incorporate that with your day-to-day life so you can live with more serenity, peace, and joy. With us today, friends. Kids, because at heart we have the one and only Rabbi Laser Brody. Rabbi Laser Brody calling in from uh, the Holy Land, Jerusalem, is it? Southern Mediterranean coast, town of Ashdod, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Wow. Thank you so much for making the time to being here. It's uh, really a privilege. Really a privilege. America, uh, it's a privilege to be with you. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Garden of Amuna. That's the first, uh, I think, the first way I've, I've heard it from your works when you translated Rabbi Arush's uh, holy work. And, um, but I, I actually was backpacking and it was, I remember seeing it, it was in Hebrew. And, uh, and then I was speaking to somebody, I'm like, and they were raving about this book. And I was like, oh man, I don't really read Hebrew well. And they said, oh no, there's an English version out there. So um, already by that connection already, we've connected through, um, through the Garden of Amuna. And then, of course, it led me to seeing some of your other works. I just downloaded on my Kindle uh, your book of the, uh, the 13 Principles of Faith, which I started to read and, uh, and recommend to people to, to do the same. There's a hard copy and a Kindle copy. I personally am in love with Kindle these days. Um, but that being said, how have you become the... Well, I know I'm, I'm jumping ahead because there's some incredible stories leading up to this point of your life, but you're known as the, the Amuna guy at least in my world. And um, how did you sort of carve this path out? Why, why are you so attracted to Amuna? Okay, here's the thing. First of all, Hashem carved the path out. Right? <laughs> Take it down. And it turns out, okay, everything I realized happening in my life, and you open up Hasidish for and you see everything. You see the Balatanya saying it, and Rambarla, and Balshem, all the time in Balshem told For example... I'll tell you a little story. When I was a uh, brand new Baltruva, when I was a brand new Baltruva, I was looking for my roots. Who am I? What am I? What's going? And I just then I got called back to go to, to America. My grandmother was dying. And I saw my grandmother who was born in my mother was, and my grandmother were born in Poland. Uh, and my grandmother looked at me and she called me Laby. said, well, I'm not Laby. This is this, this laser. Well, Laby was her uncle. And my mom told me, she said, she's flipping out. She said, you must look like her uncle. I said, well, who is he? And she told me that he stole her Hasidim, this and that, whatnot. Okay, so I went back here to Israel, 
And this was, I was a pretty new Balchuva because this was after the war in 1982 when I decided I'm going to make a switch over. Yeah. And I went in, started learning in Estonia Shiva and Maya Shari. Mm. Deep immersion right away. Wow. Jump in the deep end. Okay. And uh, I remember after a couple of weeks of the yeshiva, and here I am, you know, big man on the campus, Israel Special Forces, and I got a degree in agriculture, and da 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 da. And uh, 32 years old at the time, 33 years old at the time, I'm learning with this little 17 year old guy who's got pimples on his nose and this and that, and he's learning with me. We're learning, uh, learning Gemara, and he says to me in Yiddish, "You don't understand the kasha." I said, what, you know, what's this kid? What do you mean? What are you talking about, kid? I did, if I hit you the second time, uh, it's going to be too late for Hever Kadisha. <laughs> you know, I was really with my yeah. arrogance and this way back then, big in the guy. For, and I was so upset. I was so upset after that. Shem, didn't you have another place in Bnei Brock or in Yerushalayim that Laser Brody could have been born? I mean, why DC? And downtown in the ghetto in DC. Wow. <laughs> yeah, in the ghetto. I, I didn't I didn't know a, a white guy until I was nine years old. <laughs> wow, yeah. wow. we I want to touch on we're gonna to go down to your down that path that led you to your transformation and, and I'll be coming back to religion, but let's finish up this one. I want to hear this. Okay, so anyway, uh I realized afterward, realized I was all upset, you know, here this the dude what these kids, 17-year-old kids know. I don't know yet, no. And then after I graduated from Asia Torah, eventually I went from the Stoner Shiva to Asia Torah, became a Talmud of Rabnor Weinberg. And Rabnor Weinberg, he says, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna make the car of Am Yisrael. He really put that, he and Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, who's now the Rosh Hashiva Asia Torah, uh, they pegged me, they had pegged me right, right away. And uh, I was there, they're telling me. And after, my first job as a rav, I was a rabbi in a prison. It was a tough prison there at Yisrael. And uh, Israeli inmates, they're not simple. Okay. Mm. You can imagine. They're the, the tough of the tough. And they used to chew up rabbis and spit them out. Like an expected lifespan of a rabbi in the Israeli prison system was three and a half months. Wow. I came in there. All right. Wow. The fact that I had been in a, a good unit and whatnot my background and when i saw what i could do in a prison system then i understood why i had to go through combat why to go through athletics why to go because other i this enabled me to establish rapport with these guys now one step later after i left the prison system and i started doing kiruv you know people would say they'd see with you know, with the beard this that oh you were in the army oh, yeah who wasn't in the army Okay, what well, you know, you yeah, well, yeah, my oh, but you guys, uh, you don't know nothing but Gabora. Just uh, what's it, master's degree in agriculture is not good enough for you, you know, this, that. Oh, so they shut up. Okay, so now that's all your objection. So I, I was in the university and I was in the military and everything. Now, what else you got against? What else you got against the Shem? Tell me what else you got against Shem. Okay, now you're ready to let's let's talk mama lotion, let's talk the truth. Mm-hmm. And I could see from speaking to people, now talking on the other side of the table, I had a lot of illusions. I was disillusioned from the from community because how come, you know, we had guys, I'll give you an example. In my unit, mayor, guys that are today, 
opposite ends of the earth ideologically with me, we're still in touch. We're still in touch because when you go through wars together, you go through combat together, and we're dependent on one each other to pull each other out under fire. That's, that's a deep bond. That's, that's friendship. A deep bond. Yeah, that's, that's a deep bind. Brothers in arms, baby. That really binds you. Okay. And then I see people, you know, in a firm community, bad-mouthing each other, doing dirty deals in business. And, hey, wait a second. What's going on here? Right. And then I saw the whole thing. It's one thing, emunah. If you got this check, Mayor, and you got all these zeros, okay, you got Shabbos, that's great. You got Kashrus, that's great. You got this, is great. Zero, zero, zero. If you don't have a one on the left side of the check, it's nothing. Okay, the one on the left side of the check, Anochi, yeah. that's the sure. first mitzvah, that's Emuna. That gives you the $10 million check. Tell them that, Chuck. So I figured, wait a it's second. It's so true. And you know what, though? It's a classic story. Now, again, we're not going to peg all religious people. There's a lot of beauty there. And, but yet, why do you feel like, where is this disconnection, this, this foundational, this foundation of Amuna, that one that's missing? There's so many people who are so machmer on the, on the, on the mitzvah, so machmer oh. on the big esrog. And they're so machmer to, you know, tell the kids to be tucked in on Shabbos and the tissues on the side. And they're dragging them to shul. But like, where, what about the, the amun of the faith when it comes to business, Great when point. it comes to relationship, when it comes to trusting God that your kid is on their journey and that they may not look like, you know, like where's all that amuna when it comes to our in, interpersonal relationships? Great point. And there's where you see it. Great point. And this thing, I got to that, that, what you just said, Mayor, when did I come to that conclusion? Uh, one of my first speaking tours in New York, they invited me to Coil W. Coil W is down in Williamsburg. And I don't know if you know Coil W, but it's guys. I'm not okay. familiar. It's a guys from Sotmarin Square that uh, glitch, they take a slip on the ice. Uh-huh. And, they, and then they're coming back on their own, but not the way mommy and Tati want them to do. They're coming back on their own. And I, I found myself getting invited every time I came into New York. You guys want to hear me. And they right. hear these guys are. You know, these guys are, they're born in the program, but they'd all fallen off. Right. And even though we had uh, a room full, five, six hundred of these guys, for every one of these guys that sit in the room, listen to Laser, there's another 10 guys in the street, not listening to anybody. Okay. And I say, wait a second. So here I am back in Israel, uh, trying to be Makariv uh, guys that are far away doing Kiruv. And here these fruit guys have fallen off the program. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of the Ukrainian potato farmer. He's going down the road with a sack of potatoes. He's got a hole in the sack. So he puts one potato in, the other potato falls out. What are we doing? The crew of it's a waste. So I start thinking, what? Where, where are these? Why, why the fruit people are off the program? How come? The, you don't know why? And I found out one thing. First thing, on their father's face, there's no smile. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm going to test you, Mayor. Okay. I'm, you, I want you to say one word in Yiddish, frum, and try and smile when you say it. You can't say it. <laughs> I see you laughing. You can't say frum. Stop laughing. I say frum. 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 You yeah. can't. <laughs> you couldn't do it. You see, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. All right? Uh, that's, not, that's not Judaism. Judaism is a muna. Man, a muna. I love you, Hashem. I, I feel you, Hashem. I feel you, Hashem, in, in every heartbeat. And you know something, when I have a difficulty in life, 
Hashem, you're my commander, you're my father, you're my coach. Okay. Yeah. But yet, nobody beats you up like your coach. Nobody beats you up like your coach in the gym. But was he? He loves you or hates you? He loves you. He wants you to be a champ. That's Hashem. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. I think there's a lot of like passing down what Hashem is from generation to generation. If it doesn't change and make it personal, then you're holding on to something that's not yours and then it becomes distant and cold. And so the trick is, and you found that right through your journey in life. And, I, and we're going to delve into that. But do you, are you a firm believer that faking it to you, making it is important when it comes to the path of Amuna? That, but when you run that by me again, faking it to you, make it fake it. Even though you don't necessarily have the Amuna, what's your belief system around faking it? Uh, that's difficult for me to do. That's difficult for me to do. The, the fake it may, I know that's, that's the accepted, that's accepted rule. Uh, I say be true to yourself. Okay. I tell guys, I tell guys, okay, back off. You don't want to put on tefillin. You don't feel like putting on tefillin. Okay. Now this is not popular, but this is temporary. This is temporary. It's like a, a slap treatment to wake a guy out of shock. Okay. I'll agree that you don't put on tefillin if you do one thing. You go out in the field, take a walk out in the park or down by the river, and you talk to Hashem for an hour. Say, Hashem, I'm not looking at discount. I'm not being lazy. Okay. But I don't feel you in my life, Hashem. And I, I want to feel you in a tefillin. Hashem, help me have amuna. Help me believe, okay, that in every word of the Torah, that it's from you. It's not from here and not there, that I'm not forced and I don't want to do it because I'm have a, a bolt of lightning come out and hit me on the head. No, Hashem, help me feel. Help me feel. Hashem, help me feel. I'm not an automatic pilot. Help me feel my heartbeat that that's you personally massaging my heart. Hashem, help me feel that, okay? Nine out of 10 guys that do that, they don't finish the hour. They come back with tears down their face and they right away put on the tefillin. Hmm. Okay, just fake it. And fake it, right, that, that, that's not, right, that's treading water. Okay, you're not drowning, but you're not going anywhere. Okay, we're going to do something, get to the Amuna. How do you do something to get to the Amuna? Get to take a guy and get him his oxygen. person can't breathe, get him on oxygen. oxygen. How do you? You asked the question, how do you get somebody to be turned on to Amuna, to be turned on to, uh, to, to God? And when we're talking about, you know, there are people like yourselves, like, you know, about Shuvah, sure, we all, Halavai, we're all levels about Shuvahs, but people who are, say, in the system, who grew up religious, who know of God, and maybe in a distorted way, how does one, how does one come back to, to trust again? Well, maybe that's let the tough Maybe we're moving ahead. Example. But what, how do you get to, to, to move? Okay, on? I'll give you a little example. If I go on the Mayor K YouTube website, and I see some beautiful stuff. Sure. I see some beautiful stuff. I see stuff that millions of people have seen. And I, I get moved to tears about the down and outers and the way you took up to the Super Bowl party and about the little four-year-old kid eating a Twinkie with it. <laughs> she thinks God is four years old. See beautiful things. But I don't know Mayor Kay until I have personal contact. I can watch three hours of Mayor Kay movies that Mayor Kay put months and years of effort into and 10 minutes of eye-to-eye -eye conversation, 10 minutes of heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And I know you better than 
going through all your YouTube stuff, right? The same thing. The guy could be learning Torah, learning Torah, learning Torah. He could be davening, davening, davening. What are you thinking about your davening? <laughs> There's a joke about it. Guy goes to the rebbe. He says, rebbe, uh, I'm all the time when I'm when I'm davening, I'm thinking about business. Okay, you know, so what? But I got a problem. You know, what do when I get when I go to the bathroom, I think about what I'm not supposed to be. I think about Torah. What do I think about in the bathroom? The rebbe says, think in the bathroom about what you think about when you're davening. <laughs> Turn things around. Right. Okay. People don't connect with the Shem. I say, go out. And that's why I say, take you and go on your own. Had a guy here, a Hasidic guy, he was 26 years old. He couldn't find a Shidduch. And he was going the, the route, the Shadchanim and this and that. And I said, come over to my house after Chun. Okay. So after Chun, on, on Shabbos in the afternoon, he came over to my house. And I said, come over, taking a walk. And where'd he go? We took a walk 15 minutes out of town to the dunes. All right. Took him to the dunes. And I said, I'm going to wait for you here. You're going to go up on that dune and you're going to scream your lungs out to Hashem. Hashem, I need a Rebetzin to say Kiddush for. I need kids to do Vishnantum Levanecha. There's all kinds of mitzvahs I can't do without being a, a husband and a father. Okay. Hashem, what do your mitzvahs? He says, oh, I feel... I feel I feel funny. I said, "There's nobody out here. The only ones going to hear you are the, maybe a few snakes and a few scorpions and a few jackrabbits. Okay, nobody hear you. Ah, but I feel funny. Okay, then go back in the shadchanim and wait for another 26 years for you for your shidduch. Okay, finally convinced the guy. The guy went up there, and he told me after after it, he told me that he, for 10 minutes he felt like a jerk. For 10 minutes he felt he got nothing to lose. 10 minutes he started talking. And then another 10 minutes, wow, it just all came out. And in three weeks, he was a chassan. That's Hashem's waiting. Hashem's a loving father. He's just waiting for every one of us to connect to him. And that's what your personal connection. Mayor Kit, I won't tell you to be from, I will tell you to learn, and I will tell you to keep Shabbos, and I will tell you what books and I will tell you what texture to eat. That's a immunologist. I want to connect you to Hashem. And he said, wait a second, Lisa, I've been through Cheder and Yeshiva Ketana and Yeshiva Gedolus. Nobody ever talked to me about that. That's the whole thing. And that's why the guy's off the derech. Okay, so to me, if Yiddishkeit is a ball game and we take the number that are coming in, the number going out, eh, we ain't winning the ball game. So either you win a ball game, either change the players, we're not going to change the players, or you change the coach, not going to change the coach, we're going to change the game plan. All right. Maybe teach you wrong and start teaching a Muna. All right, teach a Muna. First of all, connect. When you read, you, you, you read to, you, you, with the Shem. When you learn with the Shem, you do a mitzvah with the Shem. When you give uh, a, a Twinkie to that old lady on the, on, I'm a Shem's messenger. I'm a Shem's messenger. Yeah. I'm just like Moses was a messenger. He went sure. to Egypt, said, Shlachatami, let my people go. I'm a Shem's messenger to let that lady live and give sustenance for however long whatever calories are in a twinkie and that's going to keep her going okay and then that bottle of michelle's messenger whatever i do i'm michelle's messenger mm. man now you feel meaning in your life and you're illuminated and you're gratified and you're not going to leave yiddish guy for all the money in the world because it's your connection with the shem all right if you love somebody you, you can if somebody tries to take your love away from you you kill for it no 
But that, that's why now we can understand why our forefathers were so willing. Rebbe Kivi smiled. The Romans were raking his flesh. Fly was sweating. The Rebbe, why are you smiling? Okay. He said, but wait, no, my life. Mm. That's the connection with the Shem. That's a Muna. Mm. Laser, I hear that. Rev. Laser, I hear that. So tell me, when, when it comes to, I mean, do you feel like Amuna is the first, is, is a step? And then what would you say the difference between Amuna and Betochen is? Amuna and faith. Okay, Amuna and Betochen. Betochen, I call Betochen applied Amuna in financial matters. Okay, Amuna, people talk a big game. Yeah, you believe in Hashem? Everybody, yeah, yeah, sure, believe in Hashem. Sure, believe in Hashem. Okay, baby, it's the 15th of the month. The electricity bill here, the mortgage is here. I look in the bank, there ain't no money. Am I going to get depressed? Am I going to get anxious? I'm going to have a panic attack. What's going to be? Okay, Bitochan. Ah, now, by the way, we've got one of our new little books. It's called Bitochan, one word. It just came out in Spanish, too. In Mexico, they translated Oh, wow. Uh, I write in Bitochan like that. Okay, if you're 30 years old and you've had average three days, three meals a day, uh, 365 days a, a year, and the only time you didn't eat was Tisha B'Av, Yom Kippur, when you decide, or maybe you weren't hungry. Okay, but average, let's say you had a thousand meals a year. So if you're 30 years old, Hashem has fed you 30,000 times in a row. And people can't say, that uh, I mean, if even back to the lady on the on 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 the, on the bench, she doesn't have money, she has nothing. But the Shem sends a little kid by way of Mayor K to bring her a Twinkie. Okay, <laughs> she she's got the money. All right, she's got the money. A Shem feeds every worm. He feeds all of us. And if people don't think that's right, in 1982, on the way to Beirut, and we were seven days in front of the supply lines. It was all from the the Israeli border. All the way into Lebanon, the roads were clogged, that the, the supplies were way behind the combat troops. We didn't have anything left. Always going through the, the Shuf Mountains, and here's a carob tree, and here's some wild cherries, and here's something. Shem never let me go without a meal. It was always what? Never in the most harrowing situations. It's crazy, most harrowing situations. So, wait a second. Uh, Hashem fed me so many thousand times in a row, a chazaka and halacha, established patterns only three times. Three times. Hashem says halachically, if Hashem fed us three times in a row, Hashem has the privilege that we say it's established pattern that we're going to get another one. All right. So Hashem feeds us tens of thousands of times. Oh, where's my, where's my, my food going to come from? No, no. It's just a test. It's to build our bitachon. Hashem is building our spiritual muscles. He's putting more weight on the bar. So you stop and think of that. That's the chazaka. Hold it. And as soon as you remember that, Shem, you fed me yesterday and you fed me today. I got nothing to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to worry about what I do right now. And people, they're not achievers because they're afraid about the past. They're worried about the tomorrow. And they're taking all their present energy and squandering it. Okay. That's where bitochen comes in. And bitochen is the applied amuna. That helps you be a better achiever because uh, you're not worried. You're not worried that uh, I'm going to make money on this project, not make money in this project. Mayor K is going to go out and he's going to produce a film because it's going to make people happy. And if he's making people happy, Shem's going to take care of him. That's it. Exactly. Nailed it.
Nailed it. So take me back. Take me back, Rabbi Lizard Brody. Take me back because um, here you are from the outside of someone listening. They don't know, but uh, you have this long white beard. You, you know, you look, uh, you're, you're a rabbi. You are a rabbi. You are a counselor, a rabbi. Um, but before that, you were also in the army and you, you didn't necessarily grow up religious, right? You didn't. Um, so what, what happened specifically um, during the, the war? Um, where you were in the Israel-Lebanon conflict, 1982. And from my understanding, you were on a, uh, it was a suicidal mission. It was a very intense mission that took place. And it was in that moment that there was a transformation that happened. What took place there that, uh, that transformed your life into, uh, and give us maybe a little glimpse into who you were before this transformative moment too. So we can see the comparison. Uh, it's real. This is a real switchover. I just want to, Mention a word about Amuna. You take the worst time in your life. If you would see a movie, and if that movie would show the fear and the trepidation that's going on inside me, and not only fear for myself, but like my mom and pop may rest in peace. My mom was a Holocaust survivor from Grudno Ghetto. She got out right before, right before the, the, the Holocaust. She didn't go through the all, but she was in the ghetto. And before she got out of Poland, the Polish girls, they played pin cushion with her and filled her whole body with pins. And when she came home bloody from head to toe, that, uh, my grandmother, she was a daughter of Stolner Hasidim. She, my grandmother didn't want to leave. My grandfather was Litvak. He says, okay, you want to go through this again? Okay, I'm taking taking my daughter, and you could come or not come. So my grandmother, of course, came. She came along. And my dad was a pilot in the Canadian Air Force, only Jewish pilot in Western Canada. And he had two enemies in World War II. He had the German pilots, and he had his own Canadian guys because they were such anti-Semites. He was in a bombing mission, and... The German fighters came at him, and his he flew this big, heavy Cornell bomber, Canadian Air Force bomber, and his fighter planes that attracted, they saw the Germans, they, they left. They left knowing that the Jew was flying the bomber, and they're going to knock him down, and get, he's going to get him killed. That, that's it. They left him for dead. That's, that's what my dad went through in World War II. Wow. And so here I am, and I'm in, I'm in Lebanon. I had a brother who had been in Vietnam. I have a brother in Hawaii. He was in Vietnam. Uh, my parents lost my older sister out of leukemia. Okay. And I'm the second one. I'm the oldest now, but I'm not the firstborn. When she was 17, I was 15. And I'm thinking about my parents, all the difficulties they've been through in life. And they lost their firstborn. And they went through crazy Gehenna when... I was in the Golan in regular army. When I was in regular army service in the Golan and in Lebanon area, and my brother was in Vietnam, they had one son, the IDF, one son in Vietnam. This is wow. crazy. And now they are about to get a message from the Israeli army attache that their next son is dead in a gutter in Beirut because I was 30 seconds away from them. Wow. It was a situation. Combat said, there was no way out of there. There was no way out of there. And that's it. Box 10. You know, the Katushas, the Katushas, when 
when a Kikusha rocket falls 100 meters from you, it shakes the, your foundation. When it falls 50 meters from you, you could feel every one of your kishkas. So here's my gallbladder, here's my spleen comes up. If it falls 30 meters, it's deadly. Anything in 30 meter radius. Okay, so they were honing in on us. They knew we were on a, a raid in, in West Beirut and her part of Beirut. Uh, and so were you're, there, you're there in the ditch with a few other of your fellow um, soldiers? Yeah, with the squad, the squad. 12 and guys. Something went wrong or was just bad information? What brought you to this scenario? Um, it's a long story, but uh, it's uh, Arik Sharon, who was prime minister then, he wanted to prove to Menachem Begin that uh, he had to do something. He, he was using us to, to prove a point and we, as, as if we were expendable. It's, he didn't wow. believe it, it, it was expendable. This is the dirty tricks happened in the politics and the army and, and, and this and that. And, you know, I wish, I wish Israel was Malchut uh, Beit David, but it's not, the IDF is not King David's army, all due respect to IDF and the boys that sacrifice themselves. It's uh, not, not the idea of the guys that run it, the, the people, the politicians at the top. Politicians at the top are not, uh, they're not Amuna guys. Okay, they don't say to Hillam before they go into war. And okay, that's it. All right, but we're we're, we're looking are. forward. We're looking yeah. forward. This is not for you sure. Know, so here you are. You're in this. You're in this. Um, so in here this I'm ditch. in this situation, and there ain't no way out. No way out. And I had this deep remorse, and I had one comrade got split in half with the rocket. He's just, it was already killed. And, What's um, going through your mind? What are you thinking about in those moments? Family. Life, God, mission, mission, tunnel vision. Got to get it done. Got to get it done. Cause uh, not American soldiers in Afghanistan and Iran. From Beirut to where my family is, four-hour drive by car. Baltimore, New York. It's got to get. Who knows if? See, they they pump us up before a mission. They said, okay, the whole country's depend on this mission. Whole country's depend on the mission, and uh, if you don't get it done, you think you disappoint to everything. And but it, it, everything was disappointment, 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 disappointment. It don't look like the mission's going to get done. Doesn't look like I'm going to live. Doesn't look like anything. And then a piece of flying glass went through there. We've got the machine gun fire. This car, we're hiding behind that car. And uh, the snipers now find us in addition to the, the rocket, the, the, the Katusha rocket batteries. And I caught a piece of glass through my eye. It's opened my eye like a grapefruit. And my eye filled with blood real fast, and I thought I've got, I thought I lost the eye. I had this sensation that I lost the eye, and that was it. But here, at uh, at a twelve, uh, two were hurt really, really bad, and one was my uh, communications guy, and 
I'd lean down behind the car to put a tourniquet on his thigh. He caught a big, nasty trunk, trunk of shrapnel in the, in the thigh. And there's a major artery in the thigh, like the order, or the order you can, can lose blood real fast. So I put a tourniquet on it. While I was putting a tourniquet on that, then I get cut. I get cut. And, but still, I, you know, but you, you, you're a fighter. You, you know, okay, I got, I get still got one eye, and you only need one eye to, to shoot. You close one eye anyway, and you look at the sight. Okay, we still go. Okay, wow. so the hands are working, the feet are working, and this and that. And then the next Kipusha fell about 40 meters away and just rocked. <laughs> Everything would, okay, that's it. Look at the watch. There's, at the weight they're followed, there's 30 seconds to go. There's 30 seconds to go. And I had this remorse. You know, I, I did, America, I, I had a life that, you know, the secular guy, the secular guy dreams of, you know, he do all the stuff you wanted. I, I, I went to University of Maryland. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to stay in America because of my background. Family wasn't religious or very Zionist. And I wanted to go into special forces in Israel. I did. I wanted to be a farmer in Israel. I did. And border farm. And that's why I studied agriculture. And I achieved all, all the stuff I wanted to do. And then at the moment of truth, I look back. And what'd you do, Laser? What'd you do? Okay, you did what you thought is neat stuff. But I had a feeling of emptiness. In Hebrew, they say, it's not that. It ain't the real deal. Okay. And then I felt this something inside of me. Felt something inside of me, like a voice, but not an audible voice. A voice inside of me. And the voice said, I'm going to get you out of here. I said, wait a second. I, I knew one thing. I had a reputation in the unit of the guy with strong will. As I was a little guy, the guys, I was not this big Rambo type, but I had will, I desire. When guys would keep, I would keep on going when other guys would fall. In other words, if I had a fever and I'd keep on going, desire of what Hashem did not give me an intelligence and ability. Hashem gave me crazy desire, crazy desire. And that's it. And, and all the guys did it. Okay, Laser's got two feet on the ground. He's got two feet on the ground. That's it. And then here I said, wait, I'm spacing out. Am I losing my mind? What, what kind of thing? And this, what I'm telling you all this, this is a matter of four or five seconds. Right. Oh yeah. All this four or five seconds. All moving this through is, you. Yeah. Life is oh, happening yeah. very fast, but right now things slows down for you for sure. And you feel oh, this wow. new sensation. Yeah. And and I hear it again. So yeah, I'm gonna get you out of here. And but you're gonna change your life. Third, boom. That's it. That's it. Left. The feeling left, the inner voice left, everything left. It's like what King Solomon says in Shir Shirim, what's the difference between when Kedusha talks to you and when the Yetzirah? The Yetzirah drives you crazy. Kedusha, that's it. A whisper, that's it. An illumination, that's it. A little spark of Kedusha, that's it. That's it. And that's what I had three little sparks like that. And I said, wait a second. If I'm not spaced out and if it's the real deal, 
then men of honor, you got to deal. I don't think there's any way I'm getting out of here. But if I do get out of here, I'm going to change my life. That's it. Got to deal. And you knew clearly when they said change your life, you knew clearly in what aspects of your life they were talking to. Because it seemed like you're, you're a guy. You're serving your country. You're a farmer on the border. Like, what, you know, what, what's wrong with that? That's great. But we're going to add to it. We're going to add to it. Uh, like Rav Cook says, Rav Cook has an expression in Kaddish. Rav Cook says, Yis gadal v'yitkadash. Yitkadal. Okay, verse, Rav, Rav Cook, what people used to get, get angry at the, the, the kibbutzniki and this and that, and the soldiers, how come they're not from? Rav Cook would say, they're fine. They're building the, the land of Israel. That's Yitkadal. And once we build the land of Israel, Yitkadash. Okay, so yeah, I was happy with what I did, proud of what I did, but that was the Yitkadal. But I didn't have any of the Yitkadash part. So I was understanding. I learned this afterwards. And when I read what Rav Kook wrote in Oris, uh, when, when Rav Kook wrote in Oris, then I understood in retro, ah, that was it. Okay. So I had so I had phase to add two, Rev Lazar's Look what's going on in Eretz Yisrael now. You can see Eretz Yisrael without Kedusha. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. You got to have them both. You got to have the Yitkadal and got to have the Yitkadash. Okay. You got to right. have. So you're in this spot, you have this voice, you hear it, it disappears. And then things started happening. Had air support come in, unexpected. Air support come in and, 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 and no way to know. And then had these paratrooper medics came in and took away, did, 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 said, you know, can we help you guys? Sure, can help. But look what our behind you are. Took the injured guys. And they said, you're to come. No, I can't come. And I said, I'll take care of myself afterward. All right, we got to finish what, what we're doing. They took the, the left. There was no, no, but the thing is, there, there was no air support, no paratroopers in West Beirut. And nobody knows how to account for this. And the army still thinks that Laser Brody's crazy for that day. And it's all kinds of stuff. And Laser Brody went crazy from that day. Okay. And, but we, we finished the mission. Wow. So the mission. There, weren't, there weren't any paratroopers or worse? I wanted to thank them after the after the army after after the war. Yeah, I, I came back to bed. I said, did, did, "Who would, who are the paratroopers? Where did they come from?" The nearest paratroopers were thirty kilometers away in Demore. They, they were thirty kilometers away. They weren't in. in uh, yeah, but I'm not crazy. Did, did how did the injured guys get to the forward to the hospital in Beirut? We didn't take them there. But they got there. Nobody could account for that. Nobody could account for any of that kind of stuff. Huh. And so it just, you know, laser's nuts. Officially, officially, laser Brody's nuts. Wow. Laser. So one second. So there's, that's an incredible story. I mean, your these bodies were moved. And in that, in that moment of being saved, there's two ways, right? You know that famous story where a guy's looking for a parking light parking spot. He prays to God, God, if you give me the parking spot, I believe in you. And right then he finds a parking spot. He's like, you know what, God, I don't need you. I got it myself. Right. So every, I mean, I feel like these things happen in life and we had that choice, that split second choice to say, Hey, no, you know, it was on me. It was my will. I figure it out. Or it's like, no, actually just connect the dots. And it was, it was a higher power. It was God. What made you stick to that? Is that because you have such a strong will? Like what, what stopped uh, you from saying, you know what? Oh, look at that. It just worked out. Forget about it. I'll tell you. Go back to that day in the Carlina Yeshiva when the 17-year-old guy with the pimples on his face talked to me like an idiot, which I was. And you don't understand the kasha. All right. 
So the continuation of the story is the answer to the question. It was seven o'clock in the evening and everybody left the shiva and I stayed there frustrated. And I had tears of frustration, anger and frustration. And I had one hand on the kippah and one hand on the gemara. The kippah was about, the hand wanted to take the kippah off and say the heck with it. Going back up to the Frustrated around a question of the gemara to the yeah. point where you're like, screw this, I'm out of here. Right, right. I, I, that, 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 that helped me understand young kids that, that don't understand, you know, they get frustrated. And I, I, I talk to teachers that making sure that the kids understand what they're talking about. Sometimes you get a Ram and a Gomorrah. He learned a Gomorrah 102 times. Okay, so he's giving a sound and light show, and the kid doesn't know the caution the Terutz. All right, the 15 half year old kid, come on, man, get down to his level. You're here to teach, you're not here to show off. All right, and, and then you're responsible for that. You're responsible for that Nishoma. Shem gave you responsibility for that Nishoma. Anyway, I felt that on my own flesh. Okay, that was able to use that later. Uh, when I talked to Shmuzin, to Yeshivas, to Ramin, and stuff like that. Mm. Okay. But then I said, okay, what's true? What's true, uh, cowboy? You got yourself out of Beirut? You didn't get yourself out of Beirut. You didn't do it. Then I started yelling at myself. Okay. What are you, ingrate and nothing? What are you, a baby here? You could go and, and uh, you could go and uh, you, you could spar and get hit on the face. You don't cry. And here, somebody says, you don't understand the cost. You're also insulted and you're breaking apart. What are you? You're an idiot. I'm talking about, I'm going to yell at myself, an idiot. Yeah, yeah. It's Very- true or it's not true. So if it's not true, if there's no shem in the world, then take off, shave the beard, get the keeper off, and get out and at least do something good for society. But if it's true, what are you being a baby for? Come on, man. Get going. Get going. My old wrestling coach in high school used to say, when the going get tough, the tough get going. That's it. That's it. And that was my argument itself. And then next day I was back in there and Shem opened my head and I had a different head the next day. Hmm. Beautiful. Wow. Wow. So for those, for those who are, um, who come up against perhaps, you know, they, they want to believe they want to have a Muna, but they just can't, you know, so you take a very Ravi Nachman approach, you know, this is the going out there in the, in the, uh, you know, maybe today in, in the in the field and, and screaming out, Abba, God, name 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 the higher power as you like. Um, if that's asked to someone's forte, would you say meditation is another format, another modality of how people are tapping into that today? Uh, uh, let me tell you, I talked to the meditation people, a lot of a lot of meditation people. Last week I spoke to some meditation folks. Yeah. They said, What about our meditation and this and that? And fact, they went to this meditation. Uh, seminar where for nine days they meditate. Okay. I asked them, all right, you went to the meditation seminar. Which one of you is less greedy? Which one of you is less arrogant? Which one of you has a better relationship with your mother, your father, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband? Okay. So, but, oh, but we dealt with our issues. What do you mean dealt with issues? My issue is my arrogance. Now get down, learn that, that, that there's only a sham in the world. Okay. That your issue that, that you see yourself before you see another human being, but that other human being, that's a sham's child also. What makes it anybody any better than anybody else? Okay. And then as far as humans go, it's not politically correct in our world, but man, I'm colorblind. 
I'm colorblind. That's, what, that's the one thing. Thank you, Hashem, that I was born in the slums in Southeast Washington, D.C., and knew the good part of these people that, you know, that society give a bad rap to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's say, and, and, and today in, in my lessons, in my, in my lesson, my lectures, all the time, at least 35% non Jews. Hmm. And you Great. could come, you can see in my Zoom lessons, you'll see blacks from South Africa, and you'll see Asians, and you'll see people from all. It's, it's humanity. It's humanity. And people say, well, where is that? Hey, you know what do we say? What do we all yell out on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Vida kol pa'usha pal palto. What are we talking for? That all of the world should know you, Hashem. We say it in Elenu three times a day, that all of humanity shall call your name. That's it. So you're very, I mean, listen, you're speaking in a very open-minded, beautiful, and you're talking my language. You know, I am definitely a per- people person, and I, and I believe in, in all of all of God's children. Um, though I, I do wonder if you get some slack or like, this is un, you know, this is not the way it should be, you know, focus, why focus on the others focus on our people, but it seems like you be, you live to the beat of your own drum and you have a unique experience and your life is, is very, it's very collective of so many different, you know, um, experiences and understanding and growth. And you transform yourself in many different ways. Um, here's so you can speak the, the language. Here's, here's the, the difference right where I get away with, where I get away with it. Because it's true. Because that's what Hashem wants. I do not budge from my Rebbe, who's the Melitzer Rebbe of Ashdod. The Melitzer Rebbe is son after son of Rebbe Chazalat Shafer. He's also a great-grandson of the Degel. From, he's descendant of the Baal Shem Tov. He is the real deal mayor. He's not one of these uh, exhibition Rebbe's that he, he, he speaks the same way if there's two people at his teach. Or 2,000 people in Sisha. I've seen them in both situations. Okay. And so, all time Amuna. Everything I do, it, it's with his blessing. And the Meltzer Rebbe gives an example. He says, What a beautiful world it's going to be if everybody knew the seven Noahide mitzvahs for the Amuna. Okay. Then you could get on a plane and they would know that you're a guy in the Gemara that did this not tasteful movie uh, they don't they're not going to turn it on in front they'll put him in a part of the plane where they don't have this movie they you won't have to ask for anything it doesn't seem like it's weird or a person for example uh in his or her relationships i have a very romantic relationship with my wife she's 68 and i'm 72 okay you know why because uh she's beautiful in my eyes inside now all right now if I would look at all kinds of other women and have intimate conversation with all kinds of other women, uh, the Yetzer knows how to take advantage of that. In other words, what we have in Torah, it's, it's, it's considered modesty. It's not prudishness. It's modesty. It's really respect. And people think, uh, you know, people that the, 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 the Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff, but, but to be, how much they get themselves in the trouble but speaking when they're not supposed to be speaking to other people and uh, exposing parts of their bodies. We're not supposed to be exposing parts of their bodies. It's that our bodies aren't for fun. Our bodies to do Hashem's work and of all of humanity, all of humanity. 
for example, adultery. That's one of the seven white mitzvahs. So it's a basic fidelity. Fidelity, you have to have fidelity of partner in life. Okay? Fidelity yeah. of partner in life. You're doing this, this. We spoke this about the beginning, about the guys yes. that are pull you out of fire. And but you you feel bold to them. And here you and and, and your partner in life, you're you're with each other and it's just not right. It's not just right, just an old soldier. So you think when we look, when we teach Hashem's commandments in the right way as morality, being a human being, what they say, you're being a mitch. Yeah. You know, it's a different thing. But not from you gotta do this and hellfire. It's not hellfire and brimstone. That's not it. And you know something? If you scratch the surface of the hellfire and brimstone people, they don't target. Sorry. It's not politically correct. They don't what? It's not politically correct. But uh, here with when I'm uh, schmoozing and chavrusing with Mayor Kay, we could say all this kind of stuff. Say it alone. Okay. And that's it. It's not political, but it's true. We don't care about political correctness. We care about truth. We care about truth because truth is Hashem's name. Hashem mm. Echad, Hashem Emet. That's it. And that's the real thing. When we could teach real Emuna, man, there's peace in the world. I want to tell you something. If they would let me in the Eras Crossing, I live here in Ashdod, 18 miles down the road, no, 18 kilometers, 12 miles down the road is the Gaza border. Okay. And we've had we've had whew, lots of experience with Katushas in recent years. Hmm. I guarantee you, if I would sit down with an open-minded Kadi in Gaza, could make peace with the guy just by talking to Muna. Yeah, just by talking yeah. to Muna. But people don't, you know, they're they're not, they're not there. They're not yeah. there. So what's a uh, two last questions before we wrap up? What's something from today's conversation someone can walk away with and do an exercise in Amuna to help strengthen their Amuna, their connection to to God? Okay, what you're going to walk away with is one thing. Don't think that Hashem has 8 billion children. He's only got one, Mayor K. That's his only child. And if you take a father that's got 20 kids, oh, he's got 20 kids. Yeah, but if he loses one of those kids, you can't console the father and say, oh, you got 19 more kids? Uh-uh. They'll say, show me your 10 fingers. I'll cut off one of your fingers and then console you. You got nine nine fingers. No, it hurts like crazy. When Hashem doesn't hear from his beloved son, Mayor K, Hashem says, What's it? I miss my son. I miss my son. Okay. Hashem wants the whole thing is that he and Mayor should have a personal relationship together. That is the whole thing. As a spiritual guide, I want to get Mayor connected with his father in heaven. I'm down the road. Hashem will take you. Your tati will take you where you need to go. I'm going to tell you what to do, where you need to go. And that's my whole purpose. That's what you need to do. The, the whole thing of Embuna is your own personal relationship with your father in heaven, your maker, your creator, your God, whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Beautiful. Beautiful. What is a, um, what would you say is the most important lesson you learned from your life to date? The most important lesson, most important lesson, something that 
I think about every single day. Think about everything. And it is an ongoing self-assessment. All right. What my thoughts, my speech, and my deed, how is that going to affect Hashem? Is Hashem going to be pleased with that? How is that going to affect Hashem's world? And how affect me personally? All right. So if it's not what Hashem wants, and if it's not what the world wants, and if it's not good for me, I, I shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be doing it. So if I can accustom myself, for example, if I'm teaching a new martial arts move, we're going to do it a thousand times until it's second nature, yeah. second nature. All right. This thought process is to do good for Hashem, to do good for the world, to do good for myself. It's got to go with me all the time, every consideration. And that way, oh, no, I take this thing. I'm not going to do anything. Heaven forbid, million times heaven forbid to insult another person. Because even if I mess up with the Shem, the Shem is forgiving. But other people, it's not so easy. And as soon as you start thinking about considering other people and not with sacrificing your own personality. No, 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 no. You don't sacrifice your individuality. You right. Go for your truth. Okay, you're not a, a pigeon in a flock of pigeons. You're an eagle soaring alone. Okay, but uh, no sacrifice of individuality, but no stepping on other people's feet. Do what you can to help them. If you can't help them, at least don't step on their feet. Yeah, nice. Great. Um, for the uh, last question of the Great Day podcast, what is a great day for you, Robert Lazerberti? A great day for me, a great day for me. A great day for me is when something I've said or done makes somebody happy. Makes somebody happy. Uh, I could tell you a story, but I, I would have revealed those stories. But can imagine if you're on a place where nobody sees you, yeah, and there's a blind person and a thoroughway, and and he's kind of lost his orientation. He's not near a crosswalk, and you take him and you help him cross the street. I'm telling you something like that. Helping a little old lady cross the street. To me, helping a little old lady cross the street is, is like winning a war. That, that, that's a great day. When Hashem is, gives me a gift like that, that to me is like, thanks, Hashem. I got a kiss on my face from Hashem. That's a great day. Mm, beautiful. Rabbi Lezabredo, thank you so, so very much. How could people connect with you or find your works? Okay, first of all, America, I want to say Mayor K. Mayor K. <laughs> yeah, America, America is a delight being with you. A delight being with you. And, and, and thanks for having me. Uh, you could connect with me. You could see my website. It's very easy, laserbeams.com, L-A-Z-E-R-B-E-A-M-S.com. And the podcast is amunabeams.com, but you get to the podcast by way of laser beams. On laser beams, there's a contact form. Just said you said fill it out, and I answer. I don't keep uh, secretaries and all this kind of stuff. Answer everybody personally. Mm-hmm. Everybody personally, it's it's. He it's truly a does. I can, I can speak. I can speak on behalf of that. He does. You've gotten okay. that to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, people are welcome. And welcome. By the way, the way I do things, it's not. I'm not religious institution 
not out to make money. That would be pretty close to Hashem. Everything on that website, all our Zoom lessons, and invited to our Wednesday night Zoom lessons, and the MP3s, all free download, free download, free download. And even the books on Amazon, we keep the prices down to a minimum. So that they're just a cost of printing them and importing them so that people have them and spread them all over. Tremendous, okay. tremendous. May Hashem continue to bless you so you could uh, have the wisdom and the courage and the strength to keep on shining your laser beams to the world. Amen. And Merrick Hashem should bless you to continue doing the wonderful things you do. And uh, I hope this is the uh, first of a series, Bo Hashem, Bo Hashem. Look for it. I'd love to every minute being with you. Dear friends, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. Thank you, Robert Laser Brody, for making the time today. Please, friends, take a moment to subscribe and like this podcast episode. It goes a long, long way. Keep walking the faith of Amuna. Keep doing it with love, with passion, with excitement. And may you experience lots of deep, deep joy and love. And uh, like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay, and have a great day. <music>